0: You so you your do
1: shit? 45 minutes on the treadmill?
2: I did 40 minutes with the with the thing, but I did 12.5 at 3.1 for 40 minutes, and then now 35 minutes, and then with a five minute warm up, a five minute cool down.
0: How so, so far? So 35 minutes. How far? Um, did you go?
2: Well, I think at the end it was 2.25 miles. But the thing is with that 3 times 12 times – what is it? 30. 30. I think it should be like you go two miles. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I know it doesn't because if you just start at 30 minutes uh, at three and no no incline at all, it doesn't end up being – uh, two miles it's, it's under two miles that's weird
1: well because it's not distance based it's time based
2: yeah i know but two miles is like that's that's because i like think one, i'm right 1.67 1. Right 1. miles that's some that's for some bitches
1: yeah i think i'm like when i finish uh, and i do a i don't do a warm-up i just do a cool down i think i end up at like 1.96 or 1.95 something like that roger walks so around just,
0: warmed up you just
2: start out and you just take it up to 12 and you're yep.
1: going. Yep. Wow.
2: I gotta, I got to get warmed up a little That's bit. That's beast gotta, gotta mode, son.
1: Up. Well, I probably should get warmed up because, you know, the first three minutes, it, it would probably explain why I'm yeah. hitting life until I, I get into the oh. groove. But you know what? Here's the thing. When, when I look at it, 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 for me, it's more boredom, just being on the treadmill okay. for 30 minutes. It's boring. So, Well, exactly. So, you know, I listen to stuff or whatever. But if I waste five minutes warming up, I'm like, well, I could have been five minutes into this workout and, you know, with 25 minutes left versus... You know, full thirty.
2: My strategy is a trick my body, so I warm up at a very brisk walk, like four point two at like four incline, and then you know I hit five minutes. Okay, time to go up to twelve, but down to three, three point one. You know, kind of tricks uh, me for about ten minutes. <laughs> <I'm> about <to laughs> say that 13 gives you ten minutes. It's like you ain't tricking me anymore, motherfucker. What are you doing?
0: It gives you like ten minutes of uh, a stay of execution.
2: Yeah it's a good workout though man it, it's it I, I
1: do good like for sweat that. I think you hit it on yeah, the head it it's good good to make you sweat it's like wow I, I'm actually you know
0: I need to sweat I need to sweat this gallon of water out of my body you
1: well it is amazing good. at how fast your body acclimates to it though so the did it for because Monday Wednesday in Friday I try to lift weights and then Tuesdays and Thursdays I try to do the cardio and the the first couple of times I did it uh it was rough but you know made it through it And then I think it was like the third time I accidentally hit 13 instead of 12, uh, but didn't realize it for like 10 minutes. So I'm in there. I'm like, man, I'm having to hold the handle. I'm like, dude, I am like out of shape, dude. I'm like, what is going on here or whatever? So after about 10 minutes, I'm like, I'm checking this stuff. I'm like, my heart's getting ready to come through my chest. So I look, I was like, ah, I was on 13, went back down to 12 and 12 was like, okay, that's, that's manageable. But even now when I look at what my, my heart rate was when I first started doing it. I was consistently 136, 137, 138. Uh, now, if I don't actually take shorter, choppier strides to kind of pick it up a little bit, uh, I won't hit 130. I'll stay in the mid 120s. And this is only, you know, a couple of weeks of doing this thing.
2: See, here's the thing. I think Josh is uh, has an abnormally low heart rate. I, I'm not a big believer in like all those um, all those scales. You know, you look up the tables, like, oh, you're <laughs> You're 40 to 45. Your heart rate should be this because ever since I was a kid, like the best shape ever I've ever been in cardio wise, I've had a higher heart rate than normal, uh, resting heart rate. And like my max heart rate was higher than normal. And, you know, I, I went through a period, I think when I was in my teens where heart, heart monitors for cyclists were a big deal. It's like, you know, you got to hit this heart rate and everything. And I was going off a table, and i was like dude i'm i'm never going to be good at all because my heart rate's too high like my resting heart rate is is higher than you know they say it should be but josh it's interesting that you have a fairly low i mean i would say max heart rate would would you say that's true um a max heart rate well because you're you're saying that like when you're in the the midst of your workout whether it's treadmill or whatever and you're like
0: i'm hurting what is your heart rate at so the other day, the, so when I did the sprint workout the other day, I mean, my heart rate got up to, it was in the, like the mid 160s. Well, that's, um, see, that's, that's
2: pretty good. I mean, that's pretty low.
0: You know, I'm, so my resting heart rate, my resting heart rate is consistently in between 60 and 62. Well, that's um, good. And then every once in a while, it'll dip down, it might dip down to 58, 59 uh, for my resting heart rate. Um, But it's always been like that, even when so the best cardio, the the best cardio shape I've been in my life, other than when I played soccer in high school, was really when I uh, right before and then during World Officer Candidate School, um, cardio wise, like I could I I could I could move pretty good. And uh, it was crazy because even then my resting heart rate was probably upper 60s, low 70s. And but I do, I mean, I was, you know, I again I was running 1330, you know, now I know you ran it a lot faster, but I was you know running thirteen thirty two miles. Um and now I could not run a thirteen thirty two mile <laughs> to save my life. I would just it's die. Like, I'd be like, like whatever it is, I'd be like, Oh, well, I'm not just not gonna make it, man. It's like in r- uh zombie land, be like, Oh, they're fast zombies? Uh, I'm done. <laughs> but my resting heart rate is lower than when I was. it's yeah, it I don't know, man. it's it's weird. Uh, I'm not smart enough to to know why.
1: Uh, what well, starts from 220 minus your age. so I don't know what the whole point of 220 is, but it reminds me of the those insurance commercials I used to hear a couple years ago I used to laugh at them and, and now I don't laugh so much're like, hey if you can run an eight minute you know eight minute mile, then uh, we'll lower your insurance rate and I'm like, sh now it's two twenty.
2: If it, so your max heart rate is 220
1: minus your age. So your max heart rate is 220 (laughs) minus your age. And then you base your workout 80, 90% off, off top of that. So Josh's numbers are similar to mine. Cause like, if I work out, like when I go sprint, I normally hit about 168 on occasion, unless I'm like extremely motivated, I might hit a 170, but dude, I woke up. So I do my blood pressure every day. I I woke up uh, about a week ago, took my, my heart rate. My heart rate was 51. Wow, this is this is about five minutes after getting out of bed
0: (laughs) with the defibrillator.
1: Well, I I was kind of sitting here. I'm like, okay, clearly. Well, my blood pressure stays about 123 over about 80, give or take. Mm -hmm. And it was 123 uh,
0: over
2: 80 with a resting heart rate of 51. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, but I I
1: struggle with the I struggle with the blood pressure because it's not uncommon for me to hit 127 over like 85, something like that. You know, see
0: if I if I took my blood pressure and my blood pressure was 120 anything over 80 anything, like I would probably go straight to the hospital. But <laughs> right, because my blood pressure, my blood pressure is consistently 116, 117
1: over Good 60 lord.
0: over 60 something.
1: Oh my lord. Uh, well, if
2: 171 is my max heart rate, I was well over my max heart rate for about 35 <laughs> minutes. Today. So I, I really don't think. But
1: what, that are, but what are you using? What are you using to, to, to gauge that? Are you using? The well, little,
2: it's just the thing on the machine. It's just a thing. Yeah. On the and that's so and I, when I, I look at close. that. I think it's close. when I look
1: at that versus what I have on, on the Apple watch. I notice it's it's off by about, you know, five to ten. It can be just depending on on the quality of the it's machine. The but that's that's what I've seen with with, you know, the crappy place I go. <sighs>
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of this too, you know, talking about the two twenty minus your age, because that would be my max would be according to my
1: Florida. But where did two twenty come from? Why is it two twenty? I don't know, it's but like so, BMI, so here's the thing.
0: Here's here's my here's what I was gonna say. I think a lot of this, right, when you know, we talk about oh, well, you know, the formula is two twenty and You know, your heart rate, you know, for your age, it should be in between this and that. To me, it's almost like the food pyramid that, you know, they came out with, you know, back in six, like, you should have 12 servings of carbohydrates every day, you know, and you're like, what? But it doesn't even make sense. It's, and so what? It, it's different for everybody, and it's one of those things like, you know, like I said, man, your blood pressure, Roger, like if I took my blood pressure and it was those numbers, like I'm going straight to the emergency room
1: because that's not, like that's not step, normal for me. You're a step above Joe Biden with those numbers. That. <laughs> but Everybody's it's crazy.
0: Too.
1: It's crazy, different. too.
0: Yeah. But again, like, you know, it's nuts because I guarantee you I probably have a higher body fat percentage than you do. So my numbers shouldn't, you know, in, based on these formulas that have, you know, they came out with, you know, however long ago, like it shouldn't be, my numbers shouldn't be better than yours, you know, and I use air quotes when I say better. Um, what, what pisses <laughs> me off, and they probably
2: came up with a 220 number around the time they came up with the body mass index numbers, yeah, which I think that's the a body point. mass index was like in the 1950s when they was like, hey, here's a good idea, you know the average American male is about five foot nine and weighs 145 pounds because everybody's skinny because they grew up in the great depression. Yeah. (laughs) they just don't know how to eat yet. (laughs) And, you know, I think about my granddad, for instance, my mom's dad, and he, he was a slight frail man, not frail. He wasn't frail. He was just a slight man. You know, he's very thin, uh, wasn't, wiry, wiry. Yeah. and, like if you look at the BMI, like the, the body mass index, that's what people use when they, say that, oof, when they say that 90% of Americans are obese. Well, when you go to the mall, it does kind of look like that. And Walmart, it looks like 100% are obese, except for you. Uh, that's based on the body mass index, right? And although a lot of Americans are obese, that's no doubt, and we can go off on that. If I, tonight I, I weighed in at a whopping 209 tonight, I've been losing weight. It's not good. It's the kind of weight I don't want to lose. And um, 209 at six foot one at my age probably qualifies as overweight, if not obese. Now I would like to weigh about 215 and have some solid cardio. Guess what, kids? If you're just going by the BMI, I'm obese. 6'1", 215, they're not, that's not going off body fat percentage or anything like that. You know, I, it's just, it's, it's an old, it's, it goes back to the 220 minus your age. It's, a, yeah. it's an old, everyone's different. It's based on how you feel, how you
0: look in the mirror, how you feel that you look in the mirror. Yeah. Well, they had the, uh, you know, the the way the army did it was, was very archaic as well with the, you know, with the high weight tables. So we had a guy, um, and this is when I, this is when I was stationed in Alaska. We had a guy, he was probably about my height. He was probably like, you know, 5'9". But he weighed, I think it was right at like 215, 220. Because um, the dude dude was a professional, a semi-professional bodybuilder. Um, and they, you know, the first time he weighed, it, they were like, oh, you're supposed to weigh like 185 pounds. And this dude's coming in, you know, at like 215, 220. And, you know, they're like, well, you're overweight. And he was like, well, just take me. And so this dude, this, you know, this dude took his shirt off. You could literally see every single muscle in his upper body. I mean, you know, everything. And it was just like, okay, like, this is stupid, but why are we wasting time taping this dude? This dude has, and I think he wound up and I think he had 3% body fat. Oh, big Chuck. Big Chuck had to be taped every time. Yeah. 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 Chuck's a great example. And you're like, this is so dumb. The, the way you guys do it is so dumb. The absolute
2: pinnacle of male performance was Chuck at E five.
0: Like this dude yes. was just jacked strong. I mean, virile. Pa- we'll leave paper it. Paper thin skin just <laughs> yoked.
2: Roger's typing. Roger's typing. Let's wait. So yeah. so Josh, let's get into it since you've got a you've got a heart out. Is it still a right in there? Uh no. I know All right. my lighting is junk, Roger. I, I, I can't do it. I'm right. sorry. This is the best I can do. I need to get a light like you guys. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll do that this week. I just, so Josh, I, just have a
0: lamp. I just have a lamp on my desk.
2: I should get a lamp. I love lamp. So, Josh, let's jump right into it. So, if I'm reading your tweets right, you think that our listener, Damon – and maybe uh, John Buford, who will get on the show someday, should ha- should be able to own uh, an ICBM, an Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. I mean, if they could afford
0: it. Does our military have ICBMs? Yes, they do. Then yes. Okay. Why? Why, why, why? do you think that? Because that's the entire intent behind the Second Amendment. Okay, so
2: the, the individual should own a nuke. Sure. Do you, okay. So, do you, okay. And I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. It's just a discussion. Um, what sort of problems do you think that that would present? If you know, and we we can go to the nuke, or you know, that's all the way on one one side of the scale, uh, or we could take it back down to an M1 Abrams, which will dovetail nicely into something we're going to talk about later. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, what kind of problems would it, would it present if uh, somebody on the block or wherever came into a few million dollars and they could afford to buy an Abrams tank? Like, what, what would that look like? I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, walk through the logistics and the problems or if you see any
0: problems with that. Sure. I mean, I, you know, the obvious problems is that, you know, if that person decided they wanted to, they could do some significant catastrophic damage in a very short amount of time. Um, so yeah. Are there problems with that? Absolutely. But again, if we are sticking with the intent of the second amendment, then we should have the same access and availability to the same weapon systems that the military has.
2: And to review why, you know, if you, if this is someone's first time listening to C3,
0: like, why do you believe that? You know what I'm saying? Because the entire intent of the Second Amendment is to be able to fight a tyrannical government, even if it is your own. And that is why, that is why it's silly when people say, well, people, you know, civilians shouldn't have, you know, fighter jets. Civilians shouldn't have this. Well, the U.S. government has them. And if we're keeping within the spirit of the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment, a lot of people get a, they're like, "Oh, it was for you know, it's for mus- muskets or it's for AR-15s." It's no, it's not for a specific weapon. It's 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 an it's an intent, right, to be able oh. to to repel a tyrannical government, even if it is your own. Um, and I know, I know. Roger feels left
2: out right now, but I want to kind of kind of make not not a point, but just a an observation: is that a nuke, for instance, or an F-15, like Joe Biden says we need, you know, um, in order to maintain something like that and effectively use those things, specifically, you know, airframes, uh, combat airframes. And, you know, we, if we go all the way to the end of the spectrum on nukes, you need a significant uh, infrastructure to support those things. Significant. Nuclear hundred Nuclear weapons aren't something like a bullet where you can just store it in your closet until you need it hundred uh, percent. There are gases and all these very complex products that have, or products, uh, components that have to be maintained, right? So in order for Damon or John Buford or Jed or any one of our listeners to own a nuke, they would need a significant infrastructure to maintain it in order to use it. Same with an F-15, same with an M1 Abrams tank. So my thing is, this is where the militia comes in, Right. You've got to have a group of like-minded people with the necessary skills to maintain that. That's why I say you always talk about the prefatory clause doesn't mean shit. I do not see it that way. In order to have even a crew served weapon, you have to have a group of like-minded individuals who will maintain those weapons and use them as a team for a like-minded cause, which would be the intent of the Second Amendment. What do you think about that? Now, Roger feels left out. We need to we need to include
0: him in this. He, he's no, out. I'm good. I I don't dis I, I don't disagree with, with how you view the prefatory clause and, and the well-regulated militia. Um, I think where we have disagreed in the past is how you get that. Uh, I should not have to attend mandatory training, right? that. That who's who who is laying on that training and who is the arbiter of that training? If it's a local government, then we're right back to where we started, which is it's that's really not congruent with the intent of the Second Amendment, right? Um, it's upon the individual, much like it was when the Second Amendment was written. It is upon the individual to show up when when called when needed, already proficient in the use of your arms. All right. So it's not you show up and Bear Von Steuben's going to train you in it. No, you should own it. You should keep it at your house. And this is where I I, I diverge and disagree with a lot of people when they say the militia is the National Guard, because I'm not going to be able to be proficient with my weapon. One, when it's locked in an arms room right. That I don't have ready access to. And two, that's still controlled by a level of government, even, even, if, you know, as, as in the state level, right. So you still have the same problem with the whole, you know, tyrannical government thing, if they're in, if they're in control of you. So, so the, I, the whole national guard is a militia is a non-starter.
2: I bait. agree with you there. The national guard is not a militia, but Roger, <clears throat> you know, I, I just don't think that our country, our fellow countrymen have the proper mindset. I'm not disagreeing with Josh. I'm just saying I don't think our our neighbors have the proper mindset to be able to own a Nuke or an F-15. I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to. I'm saying they don't have the mindset because because it takes – the more complex the weapon system – how about this? The more time training it takes – And how many people, like, it's hard enough to get the three of us on the same page to sit down and record an episode of this, which is not that complex. It's just people don't have the proper dedication to train on a complex weapon system so they can operate it as a team. I'm not disagreeing with you, Josh. I'm just saying that it's a fundamental mindset that needs to change. And I think if it's ever going to change, it's going to be the hard way. So I mean, the agree disagree josh i am absolutely not disagreeing with you i'm just saying we're not ready for it
0: i i understand the concern i do and that believe me we've seen it you know all three of us have seen it you know repeatedly we see people it's like whoo man that person should not be man that person just shouldn't should not be holding a weapon right now like they should not you know we see it when we go out of the range especially with you know support dudes you're just like well, buddy all right, here we go. I'm going to go on the other end of the firing line, right? Because I don't want to. I don't want to have somebody indie into you know into my face. Um, but at the same time, I am not willing to relinquish my right and my ability to uh, you know to to arm myself to keep and bear arms to protect my family from a tyrannical government, even if it was my own. Um, just because someone else is not responsible enough, there's no there's no other right that is laid out in the Bill of Rights, the Constitution that we would say, well, people just aren't really responsible enough, for, you know, for this yet. So, so I'm not gonna. I yeah, I, I should be deprived of that right as well, right? That to me, that's it. it, it wouldn't hold for the First Amendment. Just because somebody, you know, doesn't know how to act in public, just because somebody, you know, doesn't know how to, as my as my grandmother would say, how to act right. Um, you know, it doesn't mean, oh, well, I can't exercise my First Amendment right because, you know, somebody else is irresponsible. That's that's a nonstarter with me, too. And in, in, in nonsense. I don't know. Roger, jump in and, uh, and give us your your thoughts up to this point.
1: So uh, you both have ballot points, and, and I don't think we're very far off. It seems like every month or so we kind of continue to come back around to the Second Amendment. I'm, I'm more in line with with you, Josh, than anything. But it does go back to mindset. You know, owning a weapon nowadays for a lot of Americans, uh, it, it's just it's not a priority. And, and it should be. Times have changed, right? We're not fighting the Revolutionary War anymore and and things like that. So uh, we're not fighting the Civil War uh and and uh, most people as we've talked about in other episodes with our conflicts most families nowadays are removed from any type of conflict even when you look back at the vietnam war and this and that it's just not part of our day-to-day life it might be a part of our day-to-day life here pretty soon with these tanks that that luke's going to talk about but uh when you you know when you talk about the the weapon the crew serve weapons those type things one you know those are going to be exceptions regardless those are going to be few and far between and hey man if somebody wants to go maintain that bad boy rock and roll the problem that i have with all this and i think this is probably to the heart of of josh's uh defense what he lays out or not defense but his principles and i know people hate it but it is the slippery slope because what happens is the minute that you go in there and basically eliminate the second amendment like a lot of folks want to do on the left make no mistake about it they want to eliminate the second amendment Okay. We're not talking about modifying it. We're not talking about common sense gun laws or whatever those are. We're talking about elimination. That is a fact, a large percentage want to eliminate it. And the minute you do that, you're done. You're done because now, now it will be like Joe Biden said that, uh, no amendment is absolute, I guess, including the one on slavery. Right? So it's, it's, you can't, You can't give in to to the most basic of amendments because the minute that you do that, or the most basic of rights, because the minute you do that, they're going to come for more because it doesn't stop there. It's right there with Beto when he was like, hell yeah, we're coming for your AR-15s. Hey, finally, he told the truth because that's what they want to do. But what kills me with this whole thing is we can't even have a good debate. And I'm not talking about us three, because I think us three and our listeners out there and the viewers, we bring a lot more knowledge to this than, than your common idiot, but, you know, I was watching the five the other day and I, and I was sitting here and, and it was funny because it was Geraldo Rivera. It was uh, Dana Perino, Greg Gutfield, uh, uh, Judge and um, Brian Kilmeade. And they were talking about AR-15s. This was after like the Monterey Park shooting or whatever. And Greg Gutfield goes to Geraldo. He goes, what does AR stand for? And at first he kind of blows it off. He's like, what does AR stand for? And he goes, automatic rifle. That right there, okay, that right there is why we can't have any discussions on anything. Because they don't come to the table smart enough to be able to have an educated decision or have an educated conversation on any of this stuff. And it's funny because Greg Gutfeld pushes it. Does anybody know? Does anybody know? And you can see Brian Kilmeade, the producers in his ear saying, dude, you need to move on, go to another topic. Because this is Fox News, right? Conservative. Uh, Everybody should know what AR stands for. So he comes out with some crap like that. They go to commercial. They come back. They do another segment. Go to commercial. We're going to come back for their C segment, and then Heraldo comes in. Look, I knew AR stood for Armalite rifle. I just, you know, under the time I, I couldn't remember. No, no, you didn't. Somebody had to tell you because at the time they asked you, you'd have been like, uh, it's um, it's the manufacturer. What's the name?" Like I, I would get that, I understand that you're put on you're put on the spot or whatever. But his immediate response was automatic rifle. And because of, of morons like that, I think it was it McCaskill talking about the clips that you just throw away. Like clips are so cheap. Magazines are so cheap, Josh, that you load them once, you fire the rounds, and then you just chuck them and you put a new magazine in there. That's how cheap <laughs> they are.
0: I don't know. I don't know what kind of uh, I don't know what kind of magazines they're using or where they're getting them from, but I need to know. I need to yeah. Because, oh, yeah, I need to know where those cheap ones are, man.
1: <laughs> but because you have people like this And this, you know, this it goes to such a bigger topic because it's this we've had we've got the same problem with crypto politicians now that has become their career. So it is no longer men and women citizens of of the country that have a daily job that perform a function that go to Washington to vote on some of the laws for the country. It's people that are career politicians that have no idea what they're talking about. They're ignorant to the subject, so you can't have a good debate. Because I think we can all sit here and, and Josh hit on the head. There have been more than more than one occasion where, we're like, yeah, maybe that guy or gal shouldn't hold that weapon, or or maybe we'll have to say something because you know it's like, hey man, could could you not lay that and have the barrel pointing at my face in the chow hall? That that would be awesome, you know. And then they give you this stupid look, like, huh? I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to not you know not get my head canoeed while I'm eating my my waffles this morning or whatever. I mean, that happens, but you can never have that conversation. You know, Are there issues with, with the, uh, you know, the background checks? Well, I don't think there's an issue with the background checks. I think there's an issue with agencies talking to each other, but you can't even get to any of that stuff because they're too ignorant about it. And every time you know, something happens, because when you look at the two major shootings, right, when you look at Mo- the recent ones, when you look at Monterey Park and uh, Half Moon Bay, both of those happened in California with like the nation's strictest gun laws. Yeah, and they so they use that as an excuse to to make stricter gun laws, and and don't realize that hey, at the end of the day, it comes back to some personal responsibility. That hey, some crazy people, as we've seen, are going to drive a van through a crowd. It just happens. Somebody's going to take a knife and schwack somebody with it. It doesn't matter. It's not necessarily the tool. It's the. It's the individual behind it. And going back to Luke's thing, you know, you can make an argument. Of course, we we can't because going back to the, you can't have an educated conversation about this. You know, you could make an argument on the risk of having something like that, a mass casualty weapon or whatever. You could go down that road. But we can't even get there because you, you've got people like Gerardo Rivera, who's the war correspondent for 50 years, calling it an, an automatic rifle.
0: But, uh, so the other part of this is, and I want to uh, – I forgot this uh when I mentioned uh you know the National Guard. There's a lot of people who, you know, continue to, you know, use equate the, the militia, right, as mentioned in the Second Amendment with the National Guard. All right, that also flies in the face of the Heller V DC decision, right? And the Supreme Court is, you know, they 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 reaffirmed like this is an individual right. This is not a collective right. Um and I should not have to give up my individual right because somebody else may be deemed irresponsible or somebody else is not taking the time, you know, to, you know, to, to train properly, to make sure that they're proficient with whatever weapon system, you know, they are, you know, they're, they're in control of uh, to, to think so is silly. And you're spot on with the whole, you know, they, they just want more, you know, it was, I mean, it's, you know, it's like Iraq, Afghanistan in the old days is, you know, when we were, you know, we were out finding bad guys and teeing them up, you know, for, you know, for, for big K, little C, it was like, the machine wants more. It's always going to want more. And people, you know, we've talked about this, your people were like, Oh, but my slippery slope fallacy, you know? it's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, some some people just wanted to get married, right? They're just, just let us get married. That's it. That's all we want to do. And now they're trying to groom kindergartners, you know, to have sex with them, um, you know, but yeah, you, you just wanted to get married and see this is where we are. Uh, but yeah, make no mistake. The left wants every single weapon you own because they want you disarmed. And the other thing, one of the things that I don't see a whole lot of, and I really, it's it's weird Where's the African-American community in this? Because if anybody should be like, if anybody should be very, very pro-gun, it should be you guys. Oh, and by the way, Native Americans, Indians, I don't don't think we, we can't say Indians anymore, can we? It's Native Americans, okay, or indigenous persons. You guys should probably be on the on, on the you know tippy point of the spear on this uh you know this this gun this gun grab uh you know that's going on too. You guys should be opposed to that cuz when was the last time the government asked you to give up your guns they'll take care of you what happened? Yeah. It didn't work out well for you. Jews so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it it's crazy that you know some of the some of these groups that should should really be you Know the, the loudest in the room aren't it's just it's, I, I find that weird. My white friend Diego, uh,
2: will tell you exactly where a lot of the Hispanic community falls in this, uh, in this argument. It's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> um, so Josh, um, I don't know, you got any last minute points to make? I still, I still believe, you know, this is the. This is a sad commentary. I, I, I hear your your points and I agree with your points on the first amendment is absolute, as is the second. But unfortunately, we've just, in my in my mind, we've drifted so far away from that that the average American needs to be convinced of these rights. Again, it's like not it's like these are bestowed upon you by God. Okay, that that uh, you know you can speak your mind, you can practice what religion you want to practice without the government telling you you know, what religion you have to practice. Uh, you have the right to defend yourself with your neighbors against anyone who's going to infringe on right number one or the rest of these down the line. We've, we've drifted so far away, and I return back to, uh, although, yeah, we should be able to own an M1 Abrams tank. We're not ready for it. Yes, it's our right bestowed upon us by God, But we don't have the fortitude as a people, not individuals, as a people to take on that responsibility. Because in my mind, rights are not just given to you and you just do their responsibility. You know, people It's like, well, yeah, you have the right to free speech, but, you know, there are consequences that you know what? That's right. There are. There are also consequences and responsibilities. For the Second Amendment and every single one of every single right. You have to accept not only what's been bestowed upon you, but what that means, what that means to you in your life. It means you have to take ownership of that and take ownership of the consequences, positive and negative, of you having that right. And that takes work. And people don't want to work with each other. People don't want to work with each other to maintain an M1 Abrams tank. Maybe Pookie and his his crips down on the block do, if they knew how to do it. But my neighbors don't. And it's just like, that's a sad commentary. I do agree with you, but it's just it's sad that we can't own those things. We we should be able to, but we can't own a nuke and maintain it. And not even a nuke. We're going too far with that one. But like an artillery piece, come on, who's gonna who's you know who who's got the fortitude to get together, get along, and talk on the same page long enough, you know, without division, to be able to get together and train on that,
0: so that they can defend. It's just it's sad to me. It's sad. Bro, I know, I know (laughs) we're off the top of my head, a dozen people, (laughs) that if you can get your hands on a 155, we we, we will more than happily help you maintain it. Um, Yeah. Okay, where where those dozen people live?
2: All, fuck, almost dropped the F-bomb. All over the place. (laughs) All over the place. And those people are all former military. I'm talking about like my neighbor. I'm looking at the house across the street. It's like, I, you know, I should be able to trust that guy and not even with a 155 to, uh, uh, you know, a crew serve weapon. You know, it's just but that guy's not going to work with me. This guy's not. This guy's not. And this is this well, saying getting more involved, you know, making not yourself harder to kill necessarily. Yes, making yourself, but making your neighbors and your community harder to kill.
0: Yeah, well, I think part of that is where you know, obviously, your community has to has to come into play, and I agree, you know, to a point, and that's one of those like, hey, if the neighborhood that you live in is it compatible with your with your rights, with your desires, with your needs, well, then you need to find yourself a new neighborhood, right? Um, and it comes it, it comes back to to finding your tribe. Yes, a lot of people. We, we we have we as a nation have lost the ball on our rights. They don't teach by and large. They do hear. Oh, I'll, I'll say this. They do hear. I did. I have noticed that in other places in the country, they really don't harp on civics anymore. It's an elective versus a requirement. When I went through high school, and I, I'm going to assume it was the same for you guys. You didn't have a choice whether you were going to take electives or, you know, or civics or not. It wasn't, well, I think I'll take, you know, oh, well, you know, instead of civics, I think I'll just take a PE class, you know, or I'll just take, you know, underwater basket weaving. It was like, no, you will take civics. You will understand your rights. You'll know your rights. What are you shaking your head no for? I'm just, I'm just thinking. Go
1: ahead. (laughs) He's getting angry because you know what? He hit it on the head. But here's, here's something I'll pose to both of you. When you, when you talk about rights, you have to remember when the Constitution was signed when? 1787. Bill of Rights wasn't signed until 1789. And that was due to a holdout. I mean, you can remember half yeah. the folks didn't even want a Bill of Rights. Yeah, you know, they, were called, was,
0: they were called Federalist.
1: Yeah, you know, so you had George Mason, you had Thomas Jefferson, and then finally Madison comes on board and they said, well, no, if we don't actually spell these rights out, the government will take them away from you. But the majority of folks, I'm assuming the majority of folks, the majority of folks were like, well, no, we don't actually need a bill of rights because we have a constitution and and, and it's just it's implied. I know. It's the okay. same mindset. Okay.
2: Josh, I, I I would I was halfway listening to what you're saying, I'll be honest, about civics and everything, <laughs> and then just halfway. Okay. And I agree with that. I just get I get so worked up about the 13 inconvenient words. And okay, let's 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 cut that by nine. The four inconvenient words in the second amendment. This would be a very simple argument if 13 words were admitted, omitted, and it just said the right of the people to bear, keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That would be so convenient to me. And we would not have any type of argument at all, at all. But there are very, very inconvenient words in that. How about if we, if we omit the, the second two uh, uh, clauses there? A well-regulated militia shall not be infringed. Okay. Let let us let, let, start with that. It's like this is what pisses me off about the whole thing. I, I 100% the National Guard is not a militia. It's not. Not the way the founding fathers intended. But you talk about a militia nowadays and that's a freaking crime. You're going to get
0: yourself on a list for starting a militia. What about
1: what about National Guard under state orders?
0: Still, it's still not a, it's right. still not a militia. It's still it's still being controlled by, I mean, by the government.
2: If If, okay, uh, step by step, right, if there is no federal funding to the state militia, which would be, I guess, National Guard, whatever, that's a step closer to the intent. But I'm with Josh. It's like it's still not quite that. Because you remember back then,
1: individualism, you know, individuals, states and individuals are one on one. That's what that's what they considered. Yeah. You know, they were equal. I mean, that's and we've talked about this before. That definition has changed where the state is essentially just become another layer of the federal government. Yeah.
2: I don't know, Josh. I, it's not that I was disagreeing with you. I was just getting upset about the term militia and how if if C3 decided to actually, you know, stand up the C3 militia and start organizing people. Oh, brother, let me tell you, we'd be on a list looked at very closely by the FBI because Josh is saying we should own nukes <laughs> you know but what I mean I'm there saying? are places it's that just, do it's it right frustrating
1: Texas yeah. has their own Michigan yeah, has two. their own I mean there's probably a Texas yeah, Texas has two uh, I know Michigan has their own I, there's got to be I, I'd venture to say half the states probably red uh most of them leaning red have their well maybe not even red probably a lot of blue states you got Michigan that probably have their own version of a militia I don't know how it's run or I guess that would be the question is like, so who who actually runs and leads this militia? Uh, which one? Any of them.
2: Well, in Texas, there's two of them. I I, I, I was up on this about a year ago. Uh, they're both in the state constitution and one is actually funded somewhat, uh, through the state. Uh, I think that's the one that Admiral Dan is part of. I don't know. Um, I could be wrong on that. The other one is just in the state constitution, and they're kind of self-organized and kind of ragtag, in in my opinion. And no offense to anybody listening who's part of the uh, Texas militia, the one that's in the constitution but not funded. Uh, It's semi-well regulated. (laughs) I wouldn't even say regulated, organized. But I I don't know. Josh I, I it's not that I was disagreeing with you on the civics and I want want you to get back on that it's just I started thinking about that and it, it was working me up not because of what you were saying but just because of how I feel about the matter
0: I so I so I I completely understand the wording um you know and, and the wording of you know the the wording kind of you know muddy in the, the the waters um but at the end of the day there are no except clauses in the text of the Second Amendment it simply states the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. I mean, that's that's pretty clear, right? And so, yeah, all right, so it references militia. Well, I mean, again, I go back to when the Bill of Rights was passed, as, I mean, even, even prior to the Revolutionary War, you know, militias were composed of individual citizens. The individuals, the farmers, the blacksmiths, the cobblers, like, they showed up with their weapons that they kept at their homes, that they were proficient with, because in large part because they had to be proficient with them, or they weren't going to eat. Right? They showed up, and it the the militia could not have existed without the individual, and the Supreme Court reaffirmed that in Heller v. D.C. that it is an individual right. And so I I, I get where a lot of people, you know, the the wording, I I, I wish it was real. I I wish it was a lot clearer as well, Um, you know, but to me, the way, the way I interpret it and the way I read it and based on, you know, everything I've read on the, on the second amendment, it's, it's still pretty clear. Like it's still pretty clear. It's people have chosen to take that. And, you know, try and kind of put it into whatever bin they wanted it to be in. Um, the, the the fact that I have to pay a tax, right? So you were talking about, you know, and I, don't want, I don't want to get you put on a list or something, but, you know, you're talking about why do I have to pay $200, a $200 tax to exercise my Second Amendment right? What other right do I have to pay money to? Or pay money for exercising it, right? The fact that you know you look at the National Firearms Act, you look at the acts passed in the eighties, which this is my one dude. This is my this is one of my big big issues with Reagan. Can't believe he signed them. That especially uh, the Gun Control Act, nineteen eighty six. It's like, what in the world is going on? Right. And everybody knows, you know, where, where the $200, uh, you know, tax stamp came from that was passed back in the thirties because they didn't want gangsters to have weapons. And at that time, obviously $200, man, you know, $200 was a, a significant amount of money and not a whole lot of people could pay it. Um, so it's just every gun law on the books is an infringement, on the second amendment and it's an infringement on all of our individual liberties. Yeah. Damn. Uh, a, a tax for a
2: suppressor. That's in my mind, that's akin to a poll tax, bro. That's akin to a hundred percent in my mind. That's an unconstitutional AF. Well,
1: they know that they know that though, but it's no different. It, it, this is the reason why California and all of them continue to pass these gun laws, gun control laws because they know it's going to have to take some citizen that stands up. You know, thank God we have places like the you know, organizations like the NRA. They pass these laws. They'll be struck down in the courts. But you know what? It'll take six years for it to happen. And they know that. And then what will happen is it'll get struck down and then they'll change it, right? They'll change a couple words and, and, it, and it won't be the tax. You know, it'll be the administrative fee. Okay, right. hey, there we go. Now we just signed in the administrative fee into law.
0: Yep. Well, we're seeing that now with, um, the, uh, New York, you know, state pistol rifle association, whatever their name is versus Bruin is the Supreme court, you know, struck down New York's law. And so what did New York do? And New Jersey just did the same thing. They changed their law, but they only, they just tweaked it just enough to where, okay, now, you know, they're, 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 I'm using air quotes here. They're complying with the Supreme Court ruling. But again, they're making it, you know, they're making it to the where it's basically no change by and large to uh you know, to their their law um of their, you know, may issue uh they, which was the one of the you know the main argument in the first place of being able to protect your hell yourself outside the home, which even DC Heller, like that was one of the things. It was like not only, you know, in, in Alito uh, i think it was alito that wrote it you know it's like the second amendment is not just for your house it extends outside your house as well right um and dc not being a state and being a you know federal enclave and everything it was um it worked out but it's just every single gun every single gun law on the books is an infringement and they well, i don't every know single i don't know. should be stricken
1: uh, uh, According to you know Kamala Harris, it's just uh, liberty in the pursuit of happiness. There is yeah, no right was, that to, was, to that was right.
2: The, her speechwriters, dude. Bro, come on. Why <laughs> even go there? It's obvious why she didn't say life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, because it was a pro it was a pro-choice thing. If you say life, ooh, that's a bad word with them. That was the dumbest line to take. I don't know who her speech writers are, but I guarantee you they're overpaid. Josh. What do you think about thirty-one? No, no, no. I'm going to kick it to Roger because Josh, Josh, and I have talked too much. Roger, well, I just have silent. one question. I just have one okay. question. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: How much do you think the tax stamp is going to be on a semi-automatic assault pistol? Because that's what they're saying. <laughs> that's what they said the Monterey Park shooter used.
0: <laughs> well, first, I'm going to need you to define what a semi-automatic <laughs> assault pistol is. Because I don't. I can, want one. I I <laughs> saw that. I was I saw that. I was like,
1: what? Twitter it blew didn't. up because all of a sudden everybody's was like, where can I get one of these? What?
0: Yeah.
2: That's what Wyatt Earp used. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Corral. So, Roger, what do you think about 31? Now, we don't know. They could be M1A1. I looked up today. I was, I was bored for about 10 minutes, so I looked up uh, to refresh myself because I was in the uh, third ACR uh, back in the day, and I knew everything there was to know about M1A1s and M1A2s. But, boy, that's been a minute. It's been over 20 years ago, and I'd forgotten, so I had to refresh my memory on uh, M1 Abrams tanks. There are two or three different models, one with the tusk. Well, any one of them can get the tusk, and that makes them even tougher. Uh, it's got that reactive armor. It's got the remote-controlled uh, fifty cal on top. Those things are cool as hell. If you've never seen those, oh, my God. You guys ever worked with those? Usually, you see uh, them on Strikers uh, back in R. Our-
1: on occasion, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: dude, those are yeah, badass. Yeah. But you got the Tusk armor and the Tusk package. Uh, so, Roger, what do you think about thirty-one M1 Abrams tanks going to Ukraine? Just, just your initial thoughts. <laughs> Good idea, so I, bad idea. What do you think?
1: You you actually put it in, you know put it in probably a better perspective, and, and I'm hoping it's what your what your thought process was when you said that you know it's life cycled equipment. Basically, life cycle equipment. And what that means for listeners out there is you have a shelf life on equipment, right? It's good. It's like your MacBook. You have a MacBook, you open it up, fire it up, it's good for five to six years, and then it gets old. It doesn't take updates anymore. And then eventually it just becomes life cycle, and you have to go buy a new one. And, and Luke brought up a valid point I didn't think about initially is that, ah, eh, you know what? They're probably life cycle. Cause I mean, one, I don't know if they're M1A1s, M1A2s, who knows? Who knows how old these things are? And I mean, heck. When's the last time we've actually deployed any of these things? So, best case scenario is its life cycle. Uh, worst case scenario, it, it is a ramp up in the because at first it was just money, and then they started start sending you know material with an E over there, and now it's a ramp up in the material that we're sending over. And, and there's a difference between sending ammunition or you know uh, those type of resources versus now an actual tank um reading on twitter i think josh had had made a couple posts and a couple replies and and, and people just missed the boat you know everybody's like world war three is just not going to happen and i and i josh you can you can you know whatever your your exact quote was you can state that but basically you said hey man there are a lot of wars that were started that uh, nobody saw coming you know, it's uh, everybody's like, oh, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Nah, 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 it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen until it happens. And, and, and going back to what Luke said previously, it, it ramps up exponentially uh, the chances of a mistake happening because that's what you're worried about. And 31 tanks, I mean that, that's and I've never been you were in like the ACR. So how 31 tanks? Like how how big of an organization is that? What is that? Uh, what size
2: that is that? That is a That's a, that's at least a, that's a battalion. They called them squadrons over there. So yeah, I would say at so least So squadron, squadron
1: level battalion right. level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause cause I think that's pretty it's, significant. Uh, ones a
2: solid squadron I think and that's yeah. like having five in reserve. Cuz I think uh I think it's four
0: to five tanks per company.
1: So that's pretty significant, right? Now, especially when you spread them out and it, and it really does allow you the chance to go in the offensive. What I want to know, Luke, is how pissed off are they going to be when they find out that that specialist, Luke, PMCS that M1A1 uh 35 years ago and uh, never fixed that class 3 uh leak. <laughs> this is
2: oh boy. You know So I've got a lot to say on this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a little thing and then kick it to Josh. It's just, I think I mentioned it in the text, what makes the M1 so effective? What makes the uh, Paladin system so effective? What used to make the Bradleys so effective? These are dated weapon systems. I think the first M1 they fielded was in the 70s. It was designed, believe it or not, the M1 was designed by a former Nazi scientist, or at least the engine was. And it's like, this is an old weapon system that they've continued to upgrade. It doesn't mean it's bad. The F-15 is old too. And, you know, with with continuous upgrades, it's one of the best uh, uh, weapons platforms on the planet uh, still to this day compared to other militaries, not compared to like the F-22 or the F-35. What makes these weapon systems so good is the training that the crews, the commanders get at places like the National Training Center at Fort Irwin, California, Fort Polk, Louisiana, JRT Joint uh, Readiness Training Center. It's the training that makes them so good. That's why the world fears the M1 Abrams tanks. It's not the tank itself, although the capabilities are better than most. It's the training that these soldiers get. I don't know how much training the Ukrainians have had. I know they've had some, but it's not just sending them the tanks. It's sending them the training. It's sending them the maintenance packages. It's it's all these things. It's not just the tanks themselves. And this is what the freaking morons out there don't get is it's not just the tanks. So <laughs> these are old tanks. There There is no doubt about it. These are not the cream of the crop. We're sitting on the best of the best. No, those belong to us. And I've got way more to say about Ukraine and all this stuff. Um, but I, I'll kick it to Josh. Um, <laughs> I mean, the we- not, not just the weapons packages, the AMI mission for it. Like, how are they going to transport the tank rounds to the lines? Like, there is a lot to consider
0: here. It's not just the damn tanks. So reading Defense News uh, earlier today, the article said that we are pushing them all of the logistics as well to uh, to to go with those those 31 Abrams. So I guess there are some contractors who, you know, from from General Dynamics or, or whoever makes the Abrams, I, they're about to get paid. Uh, they're they're going to go hang out in uh, in Kiev uh, for a little bit. Um Because, you know, if it's anything like how we currently operate, uh, I know, you know, when uh, when I was with Big Army and our striker brigade went to Iraq, dude, all our GD contractors went with us. And if a striker had to go to third shop, it wasn't a Joe working on it. It was all contractors. Uh, And once the contractors, you know, like those dudes weren't there, like you're just your shit wasn't getting fixed. That's just the way it was. Um, but yeah, we're sending the, uh, all the, the, the logistics package to, uh, to go with this. So that quote, Roger, that I threw up on uh, in this and that, um, I forget what that Twitter account was. Um, it was like war rocks or, or, or something, uh, it's not war on the rocks. Cause that's a different one. Um, and those dudes are actually pretty legit, but the, 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 hubris of this account, it was just like nuclear war never happened, could never happen, will never happen. And you're like, you like you realize like the nuclear weapons like have already been used in history. Right. I don't know. You got, you, you might want to go check that out. Um, and so the quote is from Enoch Powell and the quote is history is littered with the wars. Everybody knew could never happen. You know, it's just, uh, just, when you think about people are like, Oh, that, you know, that'll never happen. We'll never, you know, get world war three. And you're like, what, like, are you serious? Like it could happen any second, you know. Roger, you've said this multiple times. All it takes is one person making a mistake. All it takes is one person shooting down an airliner. All it takes—well, we thought all it would take was some rockets going into Poland from from Russia, but that was actually Ukraine. <laughs> Indeed, some rockets into uh, into Poland, and uh, I don't even think Zelensky gave him a my bad, um, you know, on on that. But what's what's scary is Lavrov came out, uh, yesterday, I think it was like yesterday or the day before, um, and said the following, there's a quote, when we talk about what is happening in Ukraine, we are talking about the fact that this is no longer a hybrid war, but a real one, which the West has been pairing, preparing for a long time against Russia. All right. So that's the Russian forest minister, Sergey Lavrov. He's a you know he's a, he's a household name. Uh he, he was in South Africa, uh gripping and grinning. Um and so when you think about that, you're like, okay, yay, we're gonna give Ukraine 31 Abrams, and all the people who are very pro-Ukraine, you know, who don't care about it being one of the most corrupt countries in the world, and you know, the elite's piggy bank for money laundering, they're like, Yay, you're like, Well. But what does this do? What's the downstream effects of this? Are we are we ramping up? You know tensions between us and Russia. Do we really want to go to war with Russia? Do we want to go into a hot war with Russia? Um, because we kind of seem to be headed down that path. And then my other question, I'll ask you, um, and I, I, I'm sure Luca opine on it as well, is if Ukraine is winning as much as everybody says they are, why do we need to send them Abrams? Why does Germany need to send them leopards? And why does Britain need to send them challengers? Which is basically, you know, they're they're Abrams versions of tanks. Why is that? If Ukraine is winning so well and beating Russia so badly, why do we have to keep pumping all of this military equipment in there?
1: Actually, so I don't have a good answer for that. What what I am thinking is that Ukraine is just going to become the the new Germany. I mean, so how long before we actually just start building fobs there or, you know, just bases or, or whatever? I mean, that, that's what's, what it's going to take. I mean, we already had National Guard folks over there prior to the invasion. Uh, and again, going back to what Josh and Luke have both said before, you can think that both of them are dirtbags. Okay. Nobody's saying that we like Russia and that we agree with Russia. We know the invasion was wrong, but you, you can they can both be bad, okay? Uh, Ukraine's sovereign country, they have the right to defend their territory, got all of that. It just makes me wonder, it's like how long before we get... And, and I say this because its you are now seeing a concerted effort by both sides, Republicans and Democrats, and, and Luke, I think you called this out several weeks ago, that all of a sudden, everybody's 100 percent on board with, with Ukraine. I, I have seen several quotes floating out there, as long as it takes, whatever it takes. Is Russia truly the and, and that's a good question. it's open-ended, but is Russia truly the existential threat that we're you know portraying them to be? And like Josh said, are you really willing to escalate that conflict uh, to that level of you know, possibly World War III? And all we've heard on the media for the last six months is how they're pushing back, right? It was, it was MSNBC, Ukraine's winning the war, winning the war. Well, if, you, if you're winning the war and you're pushing them back, and, and I heard months ago, you know, they're retaking some of the territory that was seized and this and Well, if all of that's happening, then why are we having to continue to ramp up the equipment, going back to what, what Josh just asked? But I think it's going to be, it'll be a matter of time before we have a base there. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Uh, what, what is it, Lviv? That's out in the, the West. You know, that's probably where we start. Hey, it's going to be, that'll be the logistical hub for all the M1s that we're sending, or M1A1s that we're sending over there. That'll be the logistical hub. We'll, we'll start it in Lviv, right? And then we'll realize that, well, we're, we're too far off the front lines. We can't really support that. So we'll build something else a couple hundred kilometers east. And then the next thing you know, uh, you know, we'll be on the border out in in, in, in crimea and and the other areas it's just a matter of time and and what worries me is that may happen sooner than later because all of a sudden i don't care if it's left right or whatever everybody almost everybody is on board uh with 100 percent support so i don't know luke what changed i mean did something change? are we missing something is there a reason that we we need to be all in on, on the ukraine effort that that hey is is you know, this support, is it going to white Russia from the face of the earth? Or are they really just going to push them back out of the areas and that's it? They're done?
2: I'm glad you asked me that, Roger. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote some notes here while Josh was talking. I tend to, my mind tends to drift while Josh talks. (laughs) Joking, of course. You know, uh, going back to what you said, two things could be true at one time. And I'm answering your question by saying this. Um, Two things could be true at one time. Russia and Ukraine are both bad, right? I I don't want everybody out there to get the wrong idea as far as about how I view geopolitics and, and geopolitical strategy. Russia is a a threat. Are they a, a, an existential threat? Could be. Why? Because they have nukes. They have a nuclear cap- delivery capability. They have nuclear triad. They're no joke when it comes to that. So... There's that. I, I do believe that we are fulfilling a certain strategy, geopolitical strategy, by weakening Russia in Ukraine. I don't think that's all bad. Okay. Um, there's no doubt we're we're wearing down Russia in Ukraine, and why we, I mean, NATO and the U.S. Because without us, Ukraine. And the truth is, dude. <laughs> We don't know, going back to Josh's point, we don't know how well or bad Ukraine's doing because all we see in social media that we're exposed to is how well Ukraine's doing. Well, I don't believe it. I I, I do not believe it. I think that, I do believe that Russia has lost more troops than Ukraine. That usually happens with an invading force. Uh, It's Ukraine's home territory. I mean, they have the advantage right there. But I don't believe we're getting the on the ground truth of how well. If you want to say, well, Russia is doing, I mean, we get snippets of it. You have to really pay attention to get the snippets of it because you'll see, oh, Russia lost this territory. You know, they, they had to, they had to pull back. And then two weeks later, if you're paying attention, you'll see that Russia retook it uh, if you're paying attention. So I don't think we're getting the ground truth. I think we're getting a lot of propaganda, if you will, uh, but I do believe that the overall effort is weakening Russia strategically. They are losing a lot of equipment. They're losing a lot of men. What I, the, the biggest problem I have with Ukraine is a, a fewfold. One is they're corrupt as hell. Zelensky is corrupt as hell. He's got an end game and the end game isn't to retake Crimea. I'll put it to you that way. His end game isn't a unified, Uh, Ukraine with Crimea as part of it. His end game is to enrich himself, have leverage over NATO, have leverage over the United States. I can't read his mind, but I know he's corrupt. I know how Ukrainians think. I've spent time over there. Okay, not all Ukrainians, but I know how (laughs) Ukrainians in leadership positions think. It's a corrupt system. The higher you go in leadership, the more corrupt you get. All I want from Ukraine right now And I I searched through Zelensky's tweets today. How about a thank you? How about just a thank you, like a sincere thank you? I have not seen that. All I've seen is entitlement. You owe us this. This is good for you to do this. Not a thank you, not a we owe you. Nothing like that. I haven't seen anything like that. It's a sense of entitlement. Another thing is, how does this benefit us? What's the big benefit here? Bases in Ukraine? I mean, like you said, I mean, Russia is, a, is an existential threat only because they have nuclear weapons. All we have to do, I think, is just wait out the clock and wait for them to, you know, collapse. Josh is rolling his eyes. <laughs> to answer one of y'all's questions, why are people pro-Ukraine? Why is everybody so pro-Ukraine all of a sudden? They don't, they're pro-Ukraine because they're being told to be pro-Ukraine. They don't understand. They, they, don't, they don't get it. Uh, You're your average person. You know, let's return to some episodes. It's probably like 20 episodes ago. We were talking about like geopolitics and what really, uh, Roger, what do you got?
1: So you made an interesting comment in the chat saying that, uh, you know, the Russians are are preparing uh, for a huge offensive this summer. Do you think, and I'm I'm reading through some of this stuff now, the Daily Mail and this and that, and they've got a map laid out. And essentially the the territories are, are the way they were when, right after they invaded, not a lot has changed. Uh, just the areas of the counteroffensive, but do you think the tanks might be kind of a last-ditch effort to prepare for that counteroffensive? Like maybe they actually believe they can't stop the Russian counteroffensive this summer.
2: I think that may be part of it. Um, you know, maybe Josh disagrees. Let me get a let me get a few points out, and then I'll kick that one to Josh. So put a pin in that one, Josh. I think that's part of it. That's that's my. Uh, another part of it is just the 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 total what you got to remember is all of this is a, a card game it's a it's a game of poker right we're gonna see how the Russians are going to react to this they're saying they're gonna do one thing well let's let's poke that bear and see if they're really serious so Josh put a pin in that we'll let you answer that one um so return to the episodes you know 20 episodes ago it might have been 15 where we said geopolitically you know if we want to uh, you know, start thinking like Sun Tzu, right? Is Russia a better foe or a better ally against China? I really think this whole thing is really taking our eye off the ball when it comes to China. Like, maybe extending all of, what, how, how is Ukraine going to help us against China? They're not. That is not strategically important in the big picture, according to how Luke sees it. China's the threat period. Because who has a giant ass border with China? That's Russia. Maybe, you know, have them be our friends. Because right now we're driving them right in the arms of people we don't like. I, I don't know. Uh, we, we said that a few episodes ago. I still believe that. I, I do not trust Russians uh, at all. Uh, I spent a year of my life learning their language. The times I have talked to, uh, I, I've talked to a lot of Russians over the years. Uh, there are a lot of good ones. But the ones who are true believers are true dirtbags. And again, the higher you progress in rank, the bigger dirtbag you, you become. That's that what I've seen. So Josh, what do you think? Uh, offensive, no M1s being part of that. What do you believe?
0: I, I don't disagree. It could be part of that. Where, where I'm having a problem reconciling everything is, you know, all I see on the news is how you know, Russian mothers are being arrested because they're going and protesting in front of government buildings about how, you know, their their little village in Siberia just got, you know, all the all the military age males just got, you know, trunk muckied into a van. And, you know, basically either, you know, now they're part of Wagner group or, you know, they're 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 sitting in a rusted out T sixty two, you know, in Crimea, uh, you know, fighting. And so I'm like, okay. So for to the point to where you know there's you know there's an involuntary dra- there, you know there's a draft um, you know basically in, uh, in 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 Russia and military age males are getting hauled uh, you know hauled off to the front lines one Ukraine. Is is Ukraine winning, like I asked. Or are they really winning or is Russia winning? And is if the Russian military is as depleted, I, I do believe they have lost, they've lost a lot of equipment, they have lost a lot of, you know, a lot of men. Do they have the reserves for a counteroffensive? Which is which if they've if they're getting their ass handed to them, you know, for a year. And your military has been depleted down to a point to where, you know, you are having to basically, you know, grab people off the street. Are you really going to risk a counteroffensive? What's up?
2: You should ask Hitler if
0: they have those, uh, those reserves. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they were getting their asses kicked, bro. Russia was getting their asses kicked. And they found them.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, man. I just, there's some things in here that I'm missing, and I don't think I'm missing them because, you know, I'm not doing proper due diligence. I think they're missing because people aren't talking about it. And when people aren't talking about it, there's a reason. Um, Yeah, 80,000 Russians dead so far. Like, I... (sighs) I don't see Putin going, is he, is Putin going all in, right? Is he play? Compla- you know, is he, is, is he, has he become, you know, because there's a lot of talk about his health, you know, is he, is he healthy? Is he rational at this point? You know, and, and a couple of people have speculated, you know, is he alive? I I, I think Putin's, I, I think he's very much alive um, and still running the show. But has he gotten to that point where he's, you know, Hitler's like, Hey man, we're just throwing everything, you know, along with the kitchen sink at this. And this is our last, you know, this is our last Hail Mary, um, you know, a la battle of the bulge. Uh, I, I don't know, man, there's some, there's some things that don't add up. Um, one thing that is happening though, is there's a lot of serious, uh, there, there's a, there's a undercurrent in mainland Russia, um that a lot of people are not happy with the government. They are not ha- specifically Putin. Um, And a lot of it is, you know, the, obviously the war in Ukraine is, is very unpopular, uh, you know, within, uh, within Russia. And so it kind of goes to, goes to question, you know, could there be a coup in Russia? Could there, you know, could something happen in back, you know, back there to, to unseat Putin or, who's going to take over for Putin when Putin does, you know, I mean, I mean, the dude's going to die eventually. He might not be this year. It might not be, you know, next year, but like who's in line because they've lost a lot, they've lost a lot of their top military commanders, um, you know, in, uh, in Ukraine. Um, you know, would it be somebody like Prigozhin? um, you know, a- as involved as he is and, uh, you know, running Wagner group and in IRA and everything um something you know something else i agree with you on the long game i think i, I think russia is an existential threat only because they have a, a delivery capability for for their nuclear payloads other than that they're they're a regional they're they're a regional player um at best um uh, and and china is our true china is the enemy and, and we've we continue even after 20 years of focused on the middle east um we, we continue to take our eye off the ball with, uh, with China. Uh, they are, they are still to this day kicking our ass. Um, and we continue to fail to, to address it.
1: You know, and I think what looking at know strategic long-term plays, this is again, one of those, and we brought this up several times with like COVID manufacturing. This is one of those significant emotional events that the United States could have, and should have taken advantage of, right? When you're talking about energy crisis in Europe, I mean, man, I tell you what, Nord Stream 1 blew up and, and whoever did that and, and the war in Ukraine and the invasion, man, I am pumping as much natural gas and coal to Europe as, as I can get on the cargo ships. That is happening, right? I mean, I am getting every fossil, Hey, I don't care, Greenpeace, whatever. I'm pumping everything because I want them dependent on us again. Because you already started to see fractures with Germany over the last several months. And, and we've all been you know, in the military for decades, where I, I think firsthand, I mean, it's hard to see when, when you're so close to the situation. But when you look over the course of decades with Afghanistan, you started seeing some support fade away, especially from Turkey and a lot of other countries where, hey, we just don't give you the airspace anymore. And then, you know, you had conflicts in Bosnia and this and that. And, you, and we started to see that erode. And it's because we don't serve their interest anymore. And it goes back to the whole nations don't have friends, they have interests. And when they don't need you anymore, then they do away with you. And part of the way that, you know, when we talk about force projection and we talk about strategic uh, moves that you can make to maybe prevent war, right, this is how you do it. I mean, energy is a critical pillar to that. Whoever controls the energy supply Uh, You've got a lot of weight. Whoever controls the food, the water supply, you've got a lot of weight. And I think this is one of those missed opportunities where uh, especially places like Germany uh, that, you know, it's funny because I think they're actually going backwards. Right. So they they had the the green revolution where we want everything to be green and and electric vehicles and yada, yada, yada. And then I believe they stopped subsidizing uh, wind farms and solar farms. And so now they've kind of gone back around and said, ah, we kind of actually need some fossil fuels again. Which, not to get too far off subject, but now, so the U.S., you know, because we've got all these wind farms out there, especially out there in the in the ocean, and uh, we, we touched on a little bit where you're starting to find that it's it's affecting the whale population. And some of them are earning a bit. So now you've got the the tree huggers, no offense to any tree huggers that listen to us, well, none of them do anyway, but you've got the tree huggers that said, Build more wind farms. You built more wind farms. Now you're killing whales. And so those same tree huggers are like, climate change is doing this. But anyway, I digress. This was, uh, you know, I think another significant emotional event where we just, there's an opportunity that was there. It was missed. Uh, I think when you look at going back to COVID with bringing manufacturing back, we're starting to see that now in, in, in places, I think. Uh, but again, it's a little bit late. And TSMC, you know, the T stands for Taiwan. So not really sure. I mean, it's great. You, you know, you're creating American jobs and this and that, but I don't know that's necessarily an American company. But my fear is Luke, that we've missed another boat there to really establish a good foothold. Because the fact is, our force projection, our force print in Europe has degraded over time. And, and people that did not fight in the war, that were not part of the war, Uh, They don't see a use for the U.S. and and, and their patients wears thin, right? Their hospitality wears thin. I look at like Korea. When I went to Korea, and this was back in the late 90s, you had uh, a very distinct line in the populations. You had the older generation that was there during the Korean War that loved Americans. They're like, hey, man, I remember what it was like during the war. I remember what it was like starving to death i remember what it was like you know struggling to feed your kids having nowhere to live and you know just war constant day to day to day to day and then you had the younger generation that you know at that time was 40 some odd years removed from that never experienced it Uh, and they're like hey man it's time for you to go we hate you you had protests everywhere and it's always you know the the, whatever that younger generation is at the time it's it's cyclical but you know i feel that you know we've started to see that happen in europe especially over the last 20 years and, and so I'll, I'll kick it back to you luke i think this is uh you know that that significant emotional event that we failed to well I, I don't even know if we failed to see it we saw it so clearly somebody on the nsc saw this but like they just didn't take advantage of it right They didn't take advantage of it. And it's a way to maybe establish our foothold out there and not necessarily goodwill, but again, you know, you bring a lot to the table when you control a large portion of the energy sector of of a country.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree with you. And that goes back to my, uh, you know, my comment about a thank you. Hey, how about a thank you and promises, you know, like the Marshall plan. Hey, let's go back to that. Let's go to the Marshall plan and some, some moron, uh Said something about the Lind lease on a on a tweet from the C three account. It's like, bro, I didn't ask about the Lind lease and how Russia, whatever. I'm getting off topic there, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, how does this benefit us, right? How does this benefit us? Uh, by the way, Roger, you went to Korea? That's crazy. It's
1: crazy. You went yeah, did two years over there, man. <laughs> the <late>
2: <laughs> you know. The missed opportunity thing, you said, you know, certainly somebody on the NSC, you know, saw this and you know, as I live my life and everybody knows, I think I've said it on this podcast many times. I do not consider myself an intelligent person. I consider myself of median intelligence. And unfortunately for you two guys, I consider y'all of a median intelligence too. Half the world is smarter than the three of us and half the world is dumber. That's all there is to it. Did someone on the NSC see this? Yes, probably some enterprising uh youngish person saw this but was too afraid to speak about it or their opinion was or their analysis was completely uh trashed when they brought it up. No, no, we don't do that. We've got other things to think about. Um yeah, I I I think that somebody might have thought of it, thought of it, you know, how do we handle this better? But their opinion was not heard. I I return to this. Um I have a big problem with Europe in general western europe what did we say early on let europe handle this let europe handle it let europe handle it and let's see how that goes let's see how it goes let's <laughs> because it wouldn't go well europe has this big brother little brother kind of thing the us is the big brother they're the little brother and you know when when confronted with a problem europe's going to be like they're the little brother it's like <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how to solve this problem. They go to the big brother and they're like, how should I solve this problem? Can you help me with this? Can you help me beat up the bully? And the big brother's like, yeah, man. Uh, the U.S. is like, yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to handle it this way. What we're going to do is I'm going to teach you how to fight. And if that doesn't work, I'll beat up the guy so he doesn't bother you anymore. And Europe's like, yeah, whatever, whatever. I'm going to do it my way, which is to have you beat him up. So, so they blow us off. They think they're so much smarter. They think they're so much more enlightened than we are. And you guys have spent some time over there. Europeans are insufferable. And the Europeans who may still listen to this podcast will agree with me there. They'll agree with me there. They're insufferable. They're the little brother that just blows off the big brothers. like, now, I'm going to do it my way and that's have you take care of all of it. And then I'm going to take all the credit. I'm going to lord it over my bully. And I'm going to you know, have that You know, you know, me lording it over the bully. I'm going to have that benefit me, uh, you know, the most. It's it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating having worked in that theater for a very long time, uh, having witnessed their eternal (laughs) hubris, and it's like you you, you've absolutely forgotten what it was like to fight. So that when I'm going to return to have Europe handle it. Let's let's have you remember what it's like to really fight and have to, you know, not have gas, not have food. So that you come back to the big brother and like, gee, I am really, really sorry. We're gonna listen to how you wanna handle this a la plan Marshall Plan for the next 20 years, and then we're gonna run that continent like we did for a while. That's the way it needs to be. I I'm getting worked up here. I'm getting emotional and my my thoughts tend to, uh, tend to drift when I get emotional. But Josh, um, I had a hard time. Uh, I, I just got on the Twitter account a little while ago while you were talking, of course, because I want to ignore that. And uh, I was looking up that glittering jewel in the crown of colossal stupidity. Remember, I said we were going to discuss it on the podcast about that moron. Who went over to Europe and he came back and he's like, you know, it's very unsettling that over in Europe there are are no big cars over there. And I come back here and there are trucks everywhere. Do you like my accent? I think that's pretty good. That's how I imagine that guy talking. You know, he's saying there are trucks everywhere here and it's unsafe and all this stuff. And I was like, we are going to talk about this on the podcast. Uh, Do you remember that tweet? Because I couldn't find it. I was scrolling back and it was like six days ago. So, of course, I can't find it. Do you remember that at all? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So what are your thoughts on on car sizes in the U.S.?
0: (laughs) You remember, I I forget what show it's from, um, but, you know, now it's a meme. And at the top, it's you know got a guy. who's like I feel really sorry for you. I think about you, and I you know I just hope blah blah blah. You know, and then behind him, it's got like all the countries' flags in the world. Like I picture all the European country flags up there, and then at the bottom is the one dude with the U.S. flag on him. And be like, I don't think about you at all. Like, I, like, like that's really how I looked at that. Um, by and large, it's like okay, well, all right. So one fuel is very expensive in europe so yeah if i lived in europe i probably wouldn't drive you know uh, a big you know f250 right uh, you know it, it makes sense the streets are small in europe but you know for the most part yeah so i'm not going to drive a large vehicle because it would be very difficult to drive it around and you know and to get to where i need to go and park and and what have you um you know Europe does have, you know, obviously they have agriculture, um, and while they may not have trucks towing things down the road, you know, agriculture-wide, big trailers or tractors on it, stuff like that, uh, they do have tractors, you know, and, and you know, their version of semi-trucks on the road pulling those things, so there's still, there's still large vehicles that have to get things done, um, and he comes back and, yeah, he rambled on and be like, well, they're everywhere here, and it's like, so, good. Like, go drive what you want to drive. Like, if you don't like, if you don't want to drive a big truck, don't go drive a big truck. I don't, I used to love trucks. I used to want to have a truck. I used to have a truck. Um, and. It didn't have
1: a working air conditioning though.
0: Yeah. And that was too cheap to get it fixed. (laughs) Also because I was trying to evict a tenant, I was paying two mortgages at the time too. Um, (laughs) later, later down the road, that was my excuse then to get it fixed. Right. what, What I noticed. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, yeah, it's just sweet. I don't, it drives me nuts when people compare us to, to Europe and they do it a lot of time. And It is going on with the guns right now too. They're like, no other country has, you know, this problem. I'm like, I can name 10 countries off the top of my head where people get murdered every day by firearms. Um, we can start with, I don't know, Somalia. Right. I mean, it, like it, like this is easy. Um, Try to go, try going to Honduras and, uh, and they come back and tell me how, you know, how dangerous the United States is. Um, and when people are like, we should be more like Europe or, you know, Europe doesn't have this Well, Europe doesn't have the second amendment. So I read, so that, so what's your next point? Because that's, that's a non-starter. Um, I I just, I I ignore those idiots when they're like, well, you know, your big truck, Mike, dude, so what did the big truck? Are you, is it in the room with us right now? <laughs> but it, it's, just, it, it's ridiculous,
2: guy. You know, people like that. You know, they traveled to Europe once. uh They may have stayed there for a couple of weeks. They may have stayed there for a couple of months, but they did not live there, and they didn't live there over a certain amount of time, uh over over an extended period of time, over multiple decades. And I'll tell a quick story, Roger, and you can tell me what an idiot I was. So uh, I lived in Europe back in the day. Uh, in the 2000s early 2000s uh, for about five years, and the cars were small. Uh, I over there I went to the A and I bought the tax-free you know BMW because I want to be cool. BMW 3 series is a 2007 it was awesome. I thought I was the man. and the three series, everybody in the if you've seen a BMW three, it's it's not a big car over here. You know, but over there, when I got that three series, bro, it was one of the biggest cars on the road, like a big sedan, like a Caprice classic, you know, and that was back in 2000, call it 2006. And, you know, so it was time to go back to Europe in 2016, 17. I told my wife, it's like, we definitely can't take the Toyota Tundra and, you know, or the Toyota Tacoma, it's going to be too big. Uh, it's gonna be too big for the roads. It's gonna be. We're gonna stand out like a sore thumb. We can't take the the Jeep Wrangler because that thing is gonna get stolen, and that thing's gonna be in Russia <laughs> before you know it. <laughs> so, so I, you know, we went car shopping, and you know, in retrospect, we probably should have got like a uh, either a Forerunner or a Rav Four, preferably a Rav Four. But even Rav Fours, I was like a little bit too big, based on my memory of what it was like, you know, ten years ago. So we got a little we got a little uh, Mercedes GLK 350, right? Cuz I was like, "Oh, it'll be easy, you know, cuz Mercedes, there's going to be plenty of Mercedes places to work on that over in Europe." So we showed up, you know, we flew into Germany and we drove down and my my GOV was a Jeep Grand Cherokee diesel. Thing was a I loved it. It was really good. And as we're making our initial drive from Germany down to Slovenia after about a week, I was like, holy crap, there are a lot of big cars on the road. Bigger, bigger cars. You didn't see a lot of trucks, but you saw bigger cars. They are getting bigger cars in Europe. A BMW 3 Series in 2006 is one of the bigger cars on the road. That is a barely a midsize nowadays. So my point to that guy, you know, I don't have time to explain this in 240 characters on Twitter. It's like, bro, times change. And if Europeans had their way, to Josh's point, fuel's expensive and all that. If the fuel went down, if Europeans had their way, believe me, brother, they'd be driving the Ford F-150 because that is a rare commodity. And people see the F-150, our embassy had an F-150 uh, that, would, that, that our uh, service people used. And man, when that thing drove around, everybody wanted it. In other words, the Europeans wanted it. It's just, it's funny how times change and like, you know, we've been around the block a time or two. So, you know, younger listeners out there, I mean, you know, you, you got to look at things in perspective. Oh, Europe, Europe. Oh my God. Nope. Nobody wants a truck over there. No, bro. Everybody wants a truck over there. Everybody wants to be that guy. And we're fortunate enough to have been born in a country where people like me and Roger can have extended cap giant trucks because we still have our testicles. And they haven't been removed. You go buy a Chinese Jeep or whatever <laughs> in, a, in one of those Jap cars. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm bragging on Josh. I'm I'm a, I'm a Toyota guy myself, but I, I don't know that that one kind of that one kind of made me mad. And I love that meme that Josh Josh was saying. You know, I pity you. I don't think about you at all. I love that meme. So Roger, I mean, so your time in Korea, that was probably in the in 1980. 86, you know.
1: Whatever, dude. (laughs) Now, you know, what's funny about the truck thing is, and like, no kidding. So, again, it makes you wonder, is it coincidence or is it like some big media push? Because our town actually posted an article today, and they were talking about the sizes of vehicles. And uh, it's just, and we didn't talk about this earlier, so listeners out there, this is the first time I'm hearing Luke talk about this, but they were talking about the size of vehicles, and this is one of the reasons I love this, the city I live in because most places back east are getting smaller and smaller because land prices are going up you're trying to make better use of the space yada 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 and the town that i live in uh the spaces are actually getting bigger and what i mean by that is when you look at the average size like the average length of of, of a car is about 14 feet give or take uh trucks are getting bigger and bigger where you're pushing 16 feet 18 feet and, and maybe even longer and what that what you have to account for is the size of your roads the size of your parking spaces like i can tell you when I take my truck back east, and this is what I hate when I'm pulling the, the camper back east, is it's not really built for for diesels, and it's everything from the parking spaces to just driving on the road. I mean, I park a, at a parking space in a grocery store back east, and half the the ass end is hanging out. But it's uh, you know one of the one of the things one of the reasons I love this the, the town that I live in is like hey, it's a big truck town. There's a lot of farmers out here. There are a lot of ranchers out here. Like Josh mentioned, I mean, there, there's a practicality to it. Okay. And granted, some people just own a truck because you like a truck. Hey, guess what? That's why we live in America. I want to buy a truck. I can afford a truck. As long as I can afford the gas and insurance, then I buy a truck, but we're actually making more space and accommodating for the larger vehicles out here. Uh, you know, as opposed to some of the places, even back East, where as you drive your Teslas and this and that it's smaller and smaller spaces. And some of it's just economy, right? Again, going back to how much space is needed, uh land values and, and trying to get more if i get that extra parking space is an extra customer that's able to park here or whatever but it, it, it's a pretty interesting note what i want to i want to throw this to josh because he's he kind of got off the train early on and and i don't know you have a good answer for it yet i haven't formulated one well i have I uh, just want to see what you think. So when you look across the polls and polls are like buttholes, right? Everybody's got one, especially now when you look at 2024 polls, it's way too early because there is a lot of time between now and 2024. But why all of a sudden is Trump like smoking all the polls? Like when you look at Emerson, when you look at any of the reputable polls, I mean, the dude is 15, 20% above DeSantis. He's five, 6% above Biden. He, he's above everybody. Do you see? Uh, is that is that truly the case? Do you think, or do you think there's some ulterior motive to those polls there?
0: Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, Hillary was going to win in 2016, right? All the polls said that. Um, I think, I, and I, I agree with with Luke typing in the chat here. They want him to run. They want him. They are they are goading him into the race.
2: Who is they? Um, Which they?
0: Hey, dude. The, the DNC. The, yeah. Dude, yeah, the, that the my The posters, yeah. but yeah, the, the, the DNC establishment, they want him in that race. Um, because I'm telling you right now, the DNC and Trump and the, and the, 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 the Trump nation, they are terrified of Ron DeSantis. Um, You look at Laura Loomer, huge Trump supporter, you know, she is, you know, day in and day out, uh, you know, tweeting, tweeting all day long, you know, pro-Trump stuff. She has been dragging Ron DeSantis over the coals probably for the last two weeks. Um, And you're like, you think about it, you're just like, man, it's like one, you know, obviously Laura Loomer doesn't have a, you know, an official position in any Trump organization or anything like that, but... Man, they are, you know she. She's so closely associated with Trump that you know she's not speaking for him, but a lot of you know a lot of his base follow her and take her as the gospel on a lot of things, and she is dragging Ron DeSantis. They, I'm telling you, man, they are they are terrified of Ron DeSantis, and, and they, meaning Trump. Um, I don't. The other part of it is there are still a lot of Trump supporters out there. You know, I mean, Roger being one of them. Um, I just I, I I don't understand at this point why people think that Trump is a viable candidate. He will not win if he is the nominee. It will be Gavin Newsom because I don't believe Joe Biden's going to rerun after this. Um, in 2024, it's going to be somebody like Gavin Newsom and Gavin Newsom will not beat Trump, will not do it. Or I'm sorry, Gavin Newsom will be Trump because Trump is so unlikable at this point. He's so unlikable. He won't shut up about 2020, right? Even when he showed up here in Fayetteville at, you know, the, the, the diamond and silk funeral. Um, you know, he used that to talk about how the 2020 election was stolen. And You're like, dude, you have got to get off that. You have got to get off that. He is still supporting Ronald McDaniel for the RNC. Don't understand that one. Maybe well, money. It's a,
1: money. If you back her and she becomes the RNC, then she will take that RNC funding and, and kick it to his campaign. Right.
0: It's it, Trump can't run that. He's the anti-establishment guy anymore. He can't do it. Trump can say I'm not a politician. Yeah, you are. You're a politician because you spent four years as president of the United States. So you're no longer a businessman. You are a, you're a politician and you are part of the machine. Um, because Trump Trump is you know people are like, oh, he's an anti-establishment candidate. No, he's not. Trump is an anti he, he whoever is loyal to him, that's who Trump is going to go with um, you know, he's out there you know palling around with Lindsey Graham. Meanwhile, Lindsey Graham was just in you know Kiev with Dick Blumenthal. And and uh, what's uh, White House right? And by the way, that was the closest Dick Blumenthal has ever been to a combat zone. Um, I in, in, in his life,
1: he's got right? The, he's got the stare. He's got the thousand yard stare.
0: Yeah, he lied about his Vietnam. So, dude never went to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. No, Richard Blumenthal being in Kiev—that's the closest you've ever been to combat. Um, but now, you, but you, then you have Trump out paling around with with Lindsey Graham, and you're like, what are you like? what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Um, and then the whole, you know, the whole bisexual thing. Uh, are you talking about Luke? When you popped that in here, are you talking about Lindsey Graham? Because I think, Lindsey no. Graham is bisexual. <laughs> no Newsome man. Let's call oh, it right now. Let's call it. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, and then you have Trump is on this whole vaccine. He's, he's out, you know, he's, Supporting the COVID vaccine when everything that's coming out now, everything that's coming out, the shit that we said two years ago, is all coming out now. Trump's still like, no nah, man, save save tens of millions of lives two hundred million people. I was responsible for that COVID vaccine. It's good. You're like, ah man, I probably would. I would probably steer away from that. Um, I, I just I, I I don't get it. I, I don't think Trump is electable. Uh, I really really don't. Um, because the people who didn't vote for Trump in 2020 because they just couldn't tolerate him, they're not going to automatically just show up in 2024 and be like, All right, well, I'll, I'll vote for him this time. They're just not going to do it. Um, and he's losing, and he's losing some folks that voted for him in 2020, uh, me, me being one. Yeah. Um, that's uh, that's no secret. Yeah. As far as the Gavin Newsom thing, if, Joe Biden doesn't run in 2024. I think it's Gavin Newsom. Um, And, yeah, we we had this uh, conversation in our text chat. uh, And we 100% Gavin Newsom is bisexual. Well, okay. okay. Without question. Uh, Wait, no. I'm not
2: saying he is. I'm saying he's going to say he is. Because what's the deal? He is a white, (laughs) heterosexual, cisgendered, whatever male. It's like we got to overcome that, right? The way to overcome that... Is for it to be leaked or whatever. No, that he's but, but it's going to be true.
0: It may well, get well, yeah, it may get leaked, but it's going to be true.
2: It. Maybe I don't know. The guy seems to be a hound to me, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't Not matter. I, we are calling it on C three right now. Mark the date, episode one hundred eight. Gavin Newsom will come out and say he's either bisexual or some kind of whatever. Intersectional something, yeah. So make he's got for the out. white
0: male thing because there is no more white male. All right, he'll come out. Gavin Newsom, come on. Yeah, he, well, there no there's some white males in Gavin Newsom, but it ain't Gavin Newsom. Um, <laughs> oh God. The uh <laughs> what? Here's is kind of kind of staying staying on that track. What in the world is going on with Mike Pence? Why did Mike Pence come out and voluntarily? Right, he did this voluntarily. Come out and be like, "Oh, I had classified documents at my house too." Roger, why would Mike Pence do that?
1: You know, and some I, I don't know. Maybe they're they're just in Washington too long. Okay, and and they're just in this echo chamber and I know we brought it up last episode, but I was joking, you know, well, I wasn't joking. I was dead serious with my life. I'm like, believe me, if I found anything and obviously didn't take any of that stuff with me and, and didn't have access to it or whatever, but if I ever found anything of any significance that I'm not supposed to have here, I'm burning that. Okay. Hey, babe, if you find something in the dresser, you find something in the drawer you don't even have to tell me about it. Just take it out back to the fire pit and torch it. And in some, like some alternate universe that he lives in, he thinks, well, if I come out, take the proper measures, you know, have my press release, I'll look like the good guy in this. And, 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 and I tweeted this as well. Look, I don't care if you did it by accident. I don't care if you're being transparent. I don't care if you're cooperating. That doesn't mean that what you did wasn't illegal. It doesn't mean that what you did wasn't wrong. Hey, I murdered a guy, but I'm cooperating now, so everything's all good. <laughs> no, you still murdered a guy right
0: tucker i don't know if you guys i don't know if you guys listen to tucker i I listened to a little bit this morning uh when i took the dog for a walk first thing um tucker opined that it was possibly to help joe biden take some of the heat off of joe biden because it would be like oh look well i mean just everybody has it like it's not a you know it's not that big of a deal um I don't know if that holds water or, or not, but it just seems to, it, it just, it, it, doesn't, it, it, does it, it smells, it, it smells, right? Well, here, here's, here's what's dirty about the
1: whole thing. And I think she is the worst press secretary, press secretary that I can remember in in recent times. Karine Jean-Pierre, KJP, I'm not a big fan of her, because I just don't think she's intelligent. I, I don't think she's intelligent on, I, I take it, you know, let me, let me caveat this, with dealings of like, the white house and just overall what's going on in the world and government affairs. I just don't think she's that intelligent of a person. I don't think she's interested in it. And I just don't think she has a good grasp of what's happening out there Uh, because half these answers that, that, that she throws out, I'm like, dude, I don't even have the inside scoop. None of us three have the inside scoop except for one of the feds on the, on the show. Uh, But we could come up with better answers than, than what she could come up with. Right. What I do – I don't even feel bad. I don't even know the right term, so you guys can label whatever you want. They are clearly keeping her in the dark. I'm with Dana Perino on this thing where they are keeping her in the dark. Ron Klain – and by the way, he's stepping down now, right, and the COVID czar or whatever is going to take his place. But they are clearly keeping her in the dark and not letting her know anything about the the Biden-classified documents and all that stuff. I agree. And to me, it's such an easy fix up front where – Hey, if you truly wanted to be transparent, well, one, it's a Democrat setup. I'm telling you that right now. It's a Democrat setup because if you've got handlers back there, you know, if back to our cabinets where, and I forget what positions I had you guys in, but you know, if, if, if Luke or Josh were my chief of staff or whatever, and, and you know, you came to my Arizona home and you found something, I would expect that you would just take that out back to the fire pit and burn that like I told my wife to do. And I would just never hear about it. That's it. That's it. The fact that these things are found and then made public, okay, that's what you, you think the GOP has access to his home? I mean, seriously? And then you go all the way back to the Senate. Now people are starting to dig and that's not Republicans digging. Those are Democrats. Those are Democrats that are digging because I think that, you know, at first, and we've said it, I I hold to this day, same thing Josh said, I don't think Biden makes it uh, to 2024 as far as running. And I think a lot of Democrats felt that way too. They're like, there's no way that dude's going to run. But as we get closer and closer, people are like, wait a minute, he's actually serious about running (laughs) for 2024. And the closer and closer it gets, it's like, yeah, we got to eliminate this dude. Like, we've got to do something. We've got to make it so bad that he just, he can't run uh, because of whatever's in his past. And so it just makes me wonder, you know, what else are, what's the next step? What else are they going to find out there? The other thing with KJP, I just feel bad to an extent because they're clearly keeping her in the dark. I'm like, Hey, if I am the mouthpiece for this organization, if I am the mouthpiece for this administration or whatever, like you, love you, whatever the case is, like, I need to know what's going on. It's like being the personal attorney, right? The personal lawyer, or if you're sitting in, you're going through a vetting process. Like I need to know the good, bad, and the ugly so I can address this. Let me know the worst that you have done. That way I can go ahead and formulate my little Rolodex, you know, response to that. So if it ever comes up, I can respond to that. And they are clearly keeping her in the dark. And and after the first one, okay, I got it. She's, but essentially everything she comes to the podium and says, it's like this entire administration, everything that she says is a lie. Whatever she says is going to be the exact opposite. And that's, that's turned up with everything they've said. And that's why, you know, I hold a firm belief in that when the press secretary is speaking from the podium like that she should be subject to perjury that that's you know that's my opinion so so luke i don't know do you feel sorry for kjp is she bringing it on herself is she being kept in the dark what do you think
2: (sighs) these creatures are um i'm not gonna say i feel sorry for i i uh it's hard to say it's hard to get in somebody's mind um deep down in my heart i i kind of do feel sorry for her because i know she's in a difficult position but she is not handling this as well as psaki did not at all uh, it's 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 tough to say i just the the air of superiority that each and every one of these you know uh press secretaries come in with is um it's off-putting you know, even, uh, what was the girl, uh, with Trump? What was her, what was her name? She was
1: Dana Perino and McEnany, McEnany, Kaylee McEnany. Uh, I oh, mean, no,
2: Yeah. i was thinking,
1: I was thinking, even, Huckabee, sorry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Even yes. Yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, governor of Arkansas. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, I, I can see how the air of superiority, even though Kaylee McEnany came in completely prepared, She came in with a binder and she was ready. She had those tabs marked and she was ready to call people out. You know, uh, (laughs) KJP tried that too. Didn't work out so well for her. Um, So I understand how press secretaries can piss off the people who are against them. But with KJP, it's just like, good Lord. I mean, she is bad. She is not good at the job. Uh, Saki, like Josh said, she could at least think on her feet. All, all, All KJP does is shut people down. And when you're shutting someone down from the press secretary position, you're shutting down the entire nation is what you're doing. You know, yeah, everybody on the left, the 82 million or however voted for Joe Biden. They're like, Oh heck yeah. But the rest of us are just like, yeah, you probably should have answered that question or at least made an effort to do that. There's been a lot of good questions. Go ahead. This is
1: karma though. Right? Because I mean, go back to like when, with the whole Trump thing, from the president's office, why even make a statement? Oof. Why even address it? Just let it play out, right? Why even say that? That's why I don't feel bad in a sense because this is karma coming back around. Because had Biden not come out and made it, I'd take classified, you know, I take classified—you know—I saw the joke, right? I take classified very seriously. It was supposed to be—you uh, know—I take classified period seriously. But <laughs> why say anything? Because why, why just shut up?
0: because Biden's arrogance his hubris won't allow him to be quiet he has to say something uh, he has think, to
2: do you really think i mean honestly do you think that his mind is functioning
0: at that level the ego i i i think at certain points yeah I I think it is because you I mean you look at him when you know and we've seen it constantly and you still see it when a reporter asks him a question that he doesn't like, he snaps. He gets I mean he snaps on him. So it's nobody still working.
1: Biden. Remember that? Nobody's Biden. That's exactly it.
0: Yeah. So it's still working on some level at that. And it's just it's, you know, it's Man, his level of arrogance is off God, the charts. It's, it's off the charts.
2: And in my opinion, the level of corruption is off the charts too. And maybe, maybe in a future episode, we can get all Alex Jones with it. But I mean, some of this stuff that's going on, How we, we always return to this. We don't want to be the black helicopter people. But when we talk about Hunter Biden's laptop and the FBI getting involved in Twitter and New York Post getting shut off of Twitter, it's like, how am I not supposed to believe that there's something going on here, and it's like here's where I would like to believe that I am better than someone like kJP. It's like if I had to go against everything I believed and support someone and speak for someone, i just i i would I would like to think that even though it would benefit my career, I would not do it you
0: know yeah, no a hundred percent and i I want to kind of. To tell off of that real, uh, real quick um, before we uh, before we finish out. So we all know that uh, Charles McGonigal, uh, McGonigal uh, got charged um, and arrested. He was an FBI agent on the uh, on the New York counterintelligence uh, lead. Um, he was one of the FBI agents who. You know, brought the counterintelligence investigation along with Strock um, against Donald Trump for you know supposed collusion with Russia in 2016. Um, he was arrested for colluding with Russia. Um, and but when you talk about the Hunter Biden laptop, right, the emails in the Hunter Biden laptop talking about China, you know the you know Hunter Biden's that one specific email where he was like you know quote the f spy chief of China. Um, and then when you take a look at you know Biden's ties. You know ten percent for the big guy, um, and then Biden's ties back to where the first batch of classified documents were found um, at the university. What was that? University of Pittsburgh, University of uh, Pennsylvania, Penn. In the, yeah. In, yeah, Penn, and the think tank. They were the ones who lobbied to you know to get the Chinese uh, task force investigation task force that the FBI shut down. Um, China donated tens of millions of dollars to the university and stuff. All of us have seen counterintelligence investigations open based on less evidence. The fact that there is not an open counterintelligence investigation, or maybe there is, and they're doing it the right way and not you know, announcing it, unlike they did with Trump. Um, but the fact, we've opened them for less, and you can't tell me that there's nothing there at this point now that people are coming out and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, the Hunter bad laptop is real. You know, so you, you will never ever convince me that, that there is not, um, some serious counterintelligence concerns with the current president of the United States.
1: Yep. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And I think, uh, my, you know, my last piece and I'll throw it over to Luke for, for him to close us out. So we've had McCarthy now, uh, up where this is January 25th, so he's been in for about three weeks. And I love what he's done with Swalwell and Schiff, kicking them off the House Intel Committee. That is the one... So everything else, you have to be voted off, right? Uh, like with Elon Omar, and uh, I think she was like supposed to be on the Foreign Affairs Committee or whatever. And, and you, you essentially need a majority of the House vote to kick them off those, those type of committees. Uh, however, the House Intel Committee, the Speaker of the House, uh, the responsibility solely lies within him or her to seat whomever, uh, and so he has chosen to take shift in Swalwell and uh, take their seats. And now both of them are angry. I think they both had like they both put out the same tweets. You're going to rue the day where you give me more time to do whatever. Both of them are going to do, but so far he's living up to his promises. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a McCarthy fan, you know, yet or even close to it. But uh, I think this first this first quarter, especially you look at the first three months, that's going to be very telling to see how. Uh, this next year goes, and uh, if all goes as we think it's going to, or as what I opine it to be, is uh, you know lame duck president. Uh, I'm I'm eager to see the investigations start to open up. I'm eager to see the subpoenas come up. And hey, man, be transparent with everything. And I think when you look at, tr- at January sixth, I want to see everything. I want to see all the videos because the speaker's house or a speaker of the house. Uh, is excluded from FOIA, and so are the Capitol Police. And like, you truly, and I'm not talking about, you know, I, I hate it, we do it we do it as well. Because January 6th, uh, we conflate the two, but they're two separate incidents. There was the Trump rally, which was completely legal. It's a protest, it's a protected right, uh, probably a right that a lot of the left wants to get rid of, unless you're Antifa on burning down Atlanta, uh, you know, along with the Second Amendment that they want to get rid of as well. But that is a protected right uh, versus... The, you know, hundred so people, or whatever, that that broke into the Capitol or, or were let into the Capitol or whatever the case is. Point being, you really want people support. I mean, you know, you want to get rid of the black helicopters, you want to get rid of the conspiracies and this nut. Sunlight, brother. Open it up. Hey, this is what happened. But I tell you, I have seen enough videos of police officers opening gates. I've seen enough videos of police officers opening doors. I've seen enough videos of Capitol police giving high fives, you know, shaking hands, giving the hand gesture to people coming in that I'm like, you know, if if there were a thousand people out there and it's one guy or gal, I get it because you're scared for your life. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. That's not what I saw in a lot. of these. now granted there's snippets. Okay. So the context is extremely limited, but Josh typed it up the best disinfectant, right? Sunlight, open it all up. You want to get rid of all that stuff just shine some light on it, shine some light on it, make it transparent, put it out there and let people decide. Uh, last thing before I throw it over to Luke is the uh, the CDC <laughs> and the FDA identify preliminary COVID-19 vaccine safety signals for persons aged 65 years and older. So this is from their website. So we shouldn't be taking off YouTube or anything because this is I, this is from the CDC's website. So it was dated 13 January, 2023, and they basically give, you know, hey, there's side effects that happen all the time, yada, yada, yada. It may or may not be linked, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then I'll read this real, you know, this uh, real quick one. Following the availability and the use of the updated uh, COVID-19 vaccine, CDC's vaccine safety data link, a near real-time surveillance system, met the statistical criteria to prompt additional, additional investigation into whether there was a safety concern for stroke in people age 65 and older who received the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Okay, so what that means in layman terms out there is people report a lot of things through Vars and yada, yada, yada. And some of it may be true, some of it may be not. And and I would argue that there were probably a lot of uh, fictitious or false side effects or exaggerated side effects that were reported through Vars to make it seem like it was worse than what it was. So they rule all that out, and through their own surveillance measures, when it hits a certain threshold – they say, wow, there's something here and we need to take a look at it. And and that's where we're at now. So, you know, for all the black helicopter, everything's perfectly safe and all the people, you know, morning Joe, he's all pissy because he didn't get his fourth booster shot. And then he caught COVID the other day. I mean, <laughs> dude, you, you can't make this stuff up. So again, going back to the black helicopter thing, and, and I still want of Josh's things. Uh, I don't know if he created it or thought of it or whatever, but you know, you got to remember everything that was, uh, every food or drug or whatever that's ever been recalled was approved first by the FDA. So, not saying that it's good, bad, or indifferent. Those are the facts. So they are finding some some t- statistics out there and some reporting that is going above the threshold. And my prediction is uh it won't be just limited to strokes and the 65-year-old and older population. You'll soon soon start to see the myocarditis and, and and some other uh some other issues associated with it. So with that, uh, you know, shout out to all the folks that continue to listen, uh the gyms and the and the Danny's. Uh Danny's getting back on his feet, so hopefully starting to put some more uh, flags out there sooner than later. Uh, The Ted's that are out there, the Joe's, you know, usual suspects, that type of stuff. I definitely appreciate you listening. I'll kick it over to Luke.
2: So it's funny. uh, We know two of the three in C3 have gotten the vax and two of the three of us might get myocarditis. And my, my philosophy is, you know, tonight, like I told Josh and, and, and Roger was, you know, I load up on the Jack 3D and, and Josh is like, bro, that's going to give you a heart attack. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got I got a bigger strategy than this.
1: But it's like a new Jack 3D, right? Is it a new old, Jack 3D, No, no. Or?
2: it's it's the old school stuff that? that Did you get the stuff mad. from like
1: Slovenia? Did you bring this stuff from like? Newark? No, 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 no.
2: A, <laughs> I got I got my I got my sources, and I'm like, no, man. I put that Jack 3D in my body to counteract the vax. I got them fighting against each other to try to kill me, and they forget about me. The only thing to kill Luke is Luke, right? So, see, but Josh doesn't have an excuse when he dies of a heart attack. It's because he doesn't eat right and he's fat. At least, at least uh the two of us have an excuse, bro. It was the facts. That's what killed us. It wasn't our diet. So yeah, you know, Josh, uh, we're, we're thinking on the same wavelength here. Sunlight is the best de- uh, disinfectant period. It, we just wish people would tell us the truth. The government that is tell us the truth. Let us suss it out about everything. JFK, UFO, everything. And if there's nothing there, just let us decide. So I'm really, really glad we're on the on the same wavelength there. I was thinking tonight on my drive back from the gym back home, rushing so we could record. It's like we don't have any advertisements. We 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 make no money off this. That's how you know we're just we're trying to communicate with y'all and we're trying to work out our own stuff. We got we get no money out of this. So we we really enjoy doing it and we really enjoy all the feedback that y'all give us. And that leads me to the shout outs. You know, there is there is one person on Facebook and I, I really hope she listens. She is what we call the good Bonnie. There is a bad Bonnie and a good Bonnie. And uh, <laughs> the bad Bonnie is our arch nemesis. And I think that she is the one that got Josh canceled. But there is a good Bonnie. And, I, I, you know, she she likes our stuff on Facebook. She shares it. and We really appreciate it. I won't I won't say her last name. I won't say her last name it's a, it, there's a hyphen there. So I, I'm a little bit suspicious, but, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for liking our Facebook stuff. I appreciate Grant. I, I don't shout him out enough. Uh, I just appreciate all all y'all listening. I could go through the list. You know, Ryan is always, always good for a comment. Gary, always good for a comment. I miss you, brother. I miss you beating the shit out of wants with a, with a pillow back in basic training. So I know we don't get to everybody. It's not because we don't appreciate y'all listening. Uh, give a shout out to my mom. Uh, she listens to every episode from beginning to end despite the cussing. So again, you know, time is the most valuable commodity. Like we all say, we really appreciate it without
0: Josh. <sighs> yeah, no, we definitely appreciate, uh, definitely appreciate everybody. Uh, everybody listening. Um, and I definitely appreciate Luke spreading, uh, spreading my health information out there for, for everybody. Um, (laughs) HIPAA be damned. Well, see, well, it's not a HIPAA violation because you're not a medical professional. So there's a lot of what what a lot of people don't understand about HIPAA. Um, like they don't understand, uh, you know, classification and declassification. So, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, with as divisive as January six has become, um, you know, in the public sphere, the best thing they could do is just release everything, release everything. That is the, that is the 100% best thing you can do to, you know, get back on, you know, I, I don't know the, the road to healing, uh, because I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but you know, it would go a long way in, uh, in transparency. And then you wouldn't have those, you know, maybe, maybe the next time you don't have people, you know, feeling, you know, that they, they need to go, you know, storm the Capitol, um, you know, whether they were let in, did not let in, we don't know, you know, maybe they wouldn't be feeling like they needed to be there in the first place if you were transparent with them. Um, you know, and, and and so that can, that can definitely go a long way. Um, for shout outs. Yeah, man, we miss a lot. You know, I, I, I'm like Luke, man, I miss a lot of folks. Uh, it's not that, you know, I don't appreciate you. It's just, I'm old and I'm forgetful. And I always say, I'm going to, you know, sit down and write everybody's name out. Uh, you know, that, uh, that hits us up and hits me up, you know, one, one-on-one, uh, you know, and stuff. And then, uh, and then I forget to, to do that too. Cause you know, I get busy. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the names Luke already mentioned and he, I really appreciate Smitty in, uh, in Tampa, um, you know, he's uh, he's always listening, he's sending me texts every now and then. He's like, Hey, you need to talk about this on the next episode. And uh, and Smitty, I just, I just saying that I just remembered uh, that you had texted me something uh, last week to uh, to talk about on the next episode, and I completely forgot about uh, talking about it tonight. <laughs> so I'm gonna make a note of it, we're gonna get ever. it on the next one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so. No, it, you know, it, it throw them out. I, you know, there's got some folks out in, uh, out in Texas, uh, you know, that, uh, that listen, Admiral Dave, uh, obviously a couple more folks um, out there and then uh, Tyler up in, uh, up in Northern Virginia. We really appreciate you. And, uh, and me. listen, I know you, you, you got some family members up there. you for bringing on board, listening to us and checking us out. And we definitely appreciate it. Um, and, and, uh, Luke and I definitely appreciate you uh, supporting us with uh, with the book, um, and uh, hopefully, if we uh, if we stay on track on our timeline, we'll have another one. The three we'll have another one out. Um, hopefully, the end of this year uh, that uh, you can support us on. So, you no, know, so that's gonna do us uh, for this episode here at the cup. Uh, until next time, keep those canteen cups tightly secured and full of. Some Elijah Craig barrel proof A one twenty three is hitting the shelves. Go get you some.